You know, we got to give it up for all the ladies in the house, right? Those that are joining us online, those that are in our other campuses, God bless you. We love you. And um, I want to tell you, though, that was Andrew Ling who said, my mother went through 12 hours of labor, you know, to bring me into this world. He's our middle school pastor at, here at Gables campus. What he didn't tell you is all the tons of labor she had to put in once he got here, you know, on this side of it, right? But mothers know about that, and we celebrate you today. My shout out to my mother, LaVita, in Kansas City. I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. To my wife, Lisa, mother of our daughters and our two grandsons now. She gets to be with them this weekend, so if you're paying attention now, honey, online, I just pray you'll uh, spread the hugs around. And then to all of those that are mothering us in any way, biological mothers, adoptive mothers, stepmoms, spiritual moms, those who volunteer their laps and their hearts and their, their love to us within the church family. This is the village where we help each other raise our children. And to everybody who uh, assists in that, we just thank God for you and celebrate you today. But we also know this is a happy, sad day. We're celebrating the happy, but some of us get up sad on a day like this because our mothers are no longer with us. Some of us who are mothers get up sad because our children are no longer with us for whatever reason. Some of us, our dreams toward this day have not yet come true. And what I want to say, if you're in one of those hard places, can I tell you this is a good place when we find ourselves in a hard place. The love of God, the presence of God, can bring the peace of God and the miracle touch right into our hard place, which is why we say, and I want, I'd love for all of our campuses, those of joining us, church online as well at home, if you would just repeat after me, I'm gonna, uh, let's turn the volume up so we can celebrate this declaration of faith. Repeat after me, nothing is too hard for God. And that declaration of faith says we know he loves us, He's going to help us whatever hardship we find ourselves in, and we're praying his blessing for you today. Now, some time ago, I was delivering a message on manhood, and right after uh, our experience together, a sister from the congregation came up and said, Pastor, why don't you ever, why don't you teach us some time on womanhood, and not just that typical Proverbs 31 passage, you know, that most people talk about when it comes to women in the Bible, and that prompted me to put together the talk that is coming to you today. And so what I want to say is, if you've ever thought that the Bible is all about men, that it was written by men, it was written for men, and it's about putting women down or actually keeping women out, then I think this message might have some surprises for you. Um, because, you know, a cursory reading, a simple reading of the Bible can lead you to believe something like that. And I will tell you that the Bible does affirm traditional family values of a home of a husband and a wife, a mother and a father, and a male and a female. And so you can find that affirmation in there. But it also talks about some of the challenges that we face in our world and where they come from. For instance, not too early in the Bible. Well, actually, not, you don't have to be in the Bible too much before you read and discover that there is a curse that has come upon our world and our human relating because of sin. And it affects the way that men and women treat one another. In fact, there's a, one part of it that says that a, what God was telling that the first woman that because of sin, now a husband would rule over her. 
Now, you don't have to be a feminist to know that those are kind of fighting words, rule over, but it's a result of sin that that kind of curse has come into the world. And then a little bit farther in the New Testament, there's another verse that creates controversy for some that says, wives, submit to your husband because the husband is the head of the wife. It's like, okay, wait a minute. I thought this was Mother's Day. What are you talking about? By the way, did you see big fat Greek wedding? Remember this? Let me tell you something, Tula. The man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And she can turn the head any way she wants. <laughs> so there. Okay, actually, you know, when you see that verse in its context, it talks about how we share communion in a spiritual union as male and female together within and submitting to one another. So what I want to say to you, what even though a cursory reading might lead you to say, well, I don't get it and I don't agree with it, well, what I would like to do today is maybe take us into a more specific understanding of what does the Scripture say across time about the exceptional women in our midst. And it never fails to um, amuse me, perhaps is the right word, that when journalists today or interviewers today talk to a celebrity of, and only to discover that a celebrity who has become a parent or a mother in particular, when they embrace it wholeheartedly, it's like this is odd or this is news, like uh, this is something we just found out. Now, Adele was interviewed recently and, uh, on her motherhood, and here's what she said. She said, it's hard but it's phenomenal. It's the greatest thing I ever did. And then she goes on to say that motherhood comes first in her life and work comes second. She said, it used to be that my world revolved around me, but now it has to revolve around him. So obviously something world-changing has taken place in motherhood, that becoming a mother changes your world, but actually her worldview now is saying, I've been drawn out of myself into another life. And so the scripture teaches that motherhood is that kind of phenomenal, that parenthood brings us into that opportunity. And, um, and Adele was right. It is hard, but she says it's the greatest thing I've ever done. Now, I was reading another female PhD who had uh, posted an article about the same topic. That I think the, the, it's not that that's an oddity. Being a female and a PhD is not the exceptional part, but I wanted you to hear what she's saying is exceptional about her research. That could it be really cool to be a mom again? Motherhood's making a comeback. And she cited research on happiness, creativity, the relationship between self-sacrifice and joy, and what she sees as indications that secular feminism is losing its traction in culture. That's her point of view from the article. And what she was saying, not that women are losing traction. I don't know if you saw the movie Moana. But Moana celebrates the female heart of flourishing civilization. And the Bible does that too. Maybe when you think of the Bible, that's not the message that you see communicated, but it's in there, and I want to show it to you, that from the earliest of creation, where God says that I have created male and female in my image, and now the image bearers are going to make for a flourishing civilization, that when we touch base with the heart of God in Scripture, it not only has to do with the curse that comes into our world and into our race and into our families and into our marriages because of sin. 
but the blessing that he desires to reproduce as exceptions to the rule of dominance and curse by sin. I want to show you. When I came to a text of women in Scripture asking Moses for an exception to the male-only rule of property ownership, you know there was a time during the law of Moses where only men were allowed to own property by law. And then two daughters, fathers and brothers, passed away. They were the only survivors in their family. And so they went to Moses and they said, let us have our father's inheritance. And here's what Moses talked to God about it. And here's what the Lord said. The Lord said, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance and turn their father's inheritance over to them. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a huge exception at the time that these young ladies would now be property owners in a culture that was dominated by fallen male control. But here's the exception to the rule. So that set me on another search throughout the Bible to say, because when I first started looking at women in Scripture, they would show up, but I thought, well, it must be because of their leadership qualities. And so I wanted to call this talk Leading Ladies. And then I started searching more clearly, and I found this exception to the rule that made me think, well, maybe are there exceptions throughout time? And it set me on this search throughout Scripture. So I want to share with you what I discovered from that. What would it take to be an exceptional woman, not as an aberration to male domination in a fallen culture, but what if God was trying to say, these are reaffirmations of my glory and my creative image in my daughters as well as my sons, and anticipations of what the new Jerusalem is going to be like when we're on the other side, and all has been made right and healed in the fallen race that God created. So in anticipation of that, I would say for mothers, sisters, daughters, wives today, maybe the message is simply this, be exceptional. Be exceptional. Now, what would that mean to you? I want to show you as we look over the, the time period of each um, eon of Scripture. First, what's the standout lesson from the time of the patriarchs? Well, we meet Sarah there. Sarah was Abraham's wife, and if you read her story, you'll discover she's flawed, but she's faithful. So maybe that's the uh, message. Don't let your flaws keep you from being faithful to what God has for you. Yes, she got impatient with God because it seemed like it was taking way too long to answer a big prayer that she had prayed. And yes, she made mistakes that then came back and hurt her and her family tree in the future. But, but, listen, there would be no Isaac, no son of promise, if not for Sarah, mother of the faithful. mother of the faithful, mother of the nation. She's the first woman, in fact, that's listed in Hebrews 11, Faith's Hall of Fame. She's the mother of the nation. She's the ancestor of Messiah. She's an exceptional woman. So if you're wondering, how can I be exceptional like that? Well, it's don't let your flaws keep you from being faithful to what God wants for you. Don't let your flaws keep you from being faithful to what God wants for you. Be exceptional. Now, from the time of the Exodus, we, enter, we meet Miriam. Miriam, baby, barely two chapters in, and baby Moses has a big sister. Did you know Moses had a big sister? He was like the baby of the family. But in Exodus chapter 2, his big sister actually initiates the conversation with Pharaoh's daughter, who has gone to the river to bathe, and she draws this baby out of the river, 
and then takes, her, takes him home to Pharaoh's palace and then initiates what it would take to get Moses' birth mom, his biological mom, to be the nursing mother in the palace. Do you know why all that happened? Because of Miriam, his big sister taking courageous initiative to be exception. You want to be exceptional? Then take initiative that shows courage, not being limited by your age or by your gender, but take the initiative. Next, in the conquest, now we're through the wilderness, we've come out of the Egyptian slavery, we've come through into the, uh, almost to the promised land, and in Joshua, the time of the conquest, chapter two, we're introduced to another woman. Rahab is her name. What's, uh, what's the standout quality about Rahab? Well, she overcomes scandal to save her family, to take care of her family. I mean, Rahab, if you study the story, was a pagan prostitute in the city of Jericho. And the spies, when they go into the land to say, you know, uh, we're coming, and they're preparing for the uh, judgment that's going to come on the city of Jericho, it was Rahab who hides them. And after she hides them, she says, hey, we know judgment is coming to our city because of what we've done. But if I could get all of my family together in my house, would you promise that we would be spared? And the spies say, okay, we'll do that for you. Now, what we don't know from the story is how Rahab's family felt about her or her profession at the time. You know, we, we don't know if in the normal course of their daily life they would say, oh, I gotta stop by Rahab's before I go home tonight. And we don't know that. So what Rahab was actually saying is, you know what, I'm, I don't know what invisible barriers were in place because of the shame that her family bore because of her life, but she said, I'm going to overcome those barriers, those scandals, and I'm going to get all my family in the house, and actually she did. Joshua chapter 2 verse 13 says that she got her father, her mother, her sisters, plural, her brothers, plural, and all of their kids into the house, Joshua chapter 2 verse 13, and they were all spared. They survived. Why? What an exceptional woman. In fact, she and Sarah that I just mentioned are the only women listed in Hebrews 11 New Testament Hall of Fame. And she's also spotlighted in the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. Oh my goodness, Matthew chapter one, verse five. How can you be exceptional like that? Well, I would say this, don't let yesterday's scandal keep you from helping your family today. Be exceptional. How about the time of the judges? Now, they're in the land, and they're establishing their governance of the land, but there's not been any official political leadership rise up, so it's a time of judges. Meet Deborah, the only female judge of Israel, chapter 4 and 5. She's a mediator, she's an advisor, she's a counselor, she's a leader, she's a manager, she's a teacher, she's an artist, she's a warrior. Judges chapter 5, verse 7 recognizes her as the mother of Israel. And you really ought to check that out. That's a designation of great authority. It's like saying your highness. It's like saying the royal mother. There arose a mother in Israel. And what a mother she was. For 60 years, 60 years of her life, she mothered her country. 20 years of it was during a time of tremendous national crisis. The next 40 years was the peace that resulted from that. And... Um, What's her standout quality as an exceptional woman? Her standout trait was she was willing to make the hard decisions. 
This text tells us that when men were not willing to step up, that she did, and she made the hard decisions. I was reading a story about Denzel Washington and his mother, and it made me think about Deborah. Uh, while his own father was in his life as a young person, um, he said he was separated by work most of the time, so they were distant. When, uh, when his parents divorced when he was 14, he said the distance grew even more between him and his dad. And then when he began to rebel a little bit later and, uh, and to show this resistance to his mother, he said, my mother, strong and loving, made a crucial and courageous decision. She sent me to a private boarding school. Had to be a hard one to make, but this is what he says, quote, the decision changed my life because I would not have survived in the direction I was going. The guys I was hanging out with, my running buddies, uh, they have now, at the time of this interview, they have now done collectively 40 years in the penitentiary. Close quote. He, and then he went on to, you know, Denzel is very public about his Christian faith and also about his mother and her discipline and her ability to make hard decisions in his life. He says, what would have happened to me if, uh, if it had not been for my mother. And I want to say, how many of us could say the very same thing? I don't know what your scenario is, what your circumstances are, but what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for my mother? Exceptional. You want to be exceptional? Then be willing to make the hard decisions for the right reasons. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hard decisions that we're called upon to make, but for the right reasons, they can bring profound results. Next time period, following the judges, in Israel was known as the Dark Ages. Scholars call it the Dark Ages. The last verse in the book of Judges says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This sounds like something, a headline from our day, doesn't it? Yeah, I've got my truth, you've got your truth, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And in Israel's history, this was known as the darkest time period. And yet through the darkness shines a rising star. Her name is Ruth. I mean, she's got her own book in the Bible. And she's also named in the lineage of Jesus. Talk about exceptional. What's her standout trait? Well, there are two of them. Loyalty to God and love for her mother-in-law. I mean, it was a hard time in their life. She had lost her husband, which means that her mother-in-law lost her son. And now you've got two grieving women going through the darkest time in the history of Israel. And yet, Ruth rises to the occasion. How? By making the best of a bad situation, by trusting God, and then by loving Naomi. You want to be exceptional? Huh. Watch out. You can show faith in God and love your mother-in-law. That's what the story says. Exceptional woman. And how about the time of the kings? You know, the kings, that's Saul, David, Solomon, you know, all the rest of them. What about the time of the kings? Who's going to rise up to be the exception during this challenging time in Israel's history? Well, we got, actually, I can list three women, but they all show up uh, through Solomon's writings. There's the woman of character from Proverbs 31 that is so industrious and so integrous and so uh, busy about things that matter in her life that she's like the climax of the entire book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. 
And then the woman of character, who goes unnamed in the story, by the way, uh, is also accompanied by the woman of, cap the captivating woman, the woman of captivation in Proverbs chapter 5. You really ought to read that one, guys. You know, Proverbs chapter 5 is all about a captivating woman who, and then also Song of Solomon. The woman in the, the Song of Solomon is a captivating woman of character and integrity that Solomon has committed his life to. How do they show up in the story? Well, I'm thinking, I mean, here's what mom says. Uh, you need to find a woman who's going to bring deep, fulfilling intimacy into your marriage, son. And then that will bless your family in contrast to the adultery and the fornication that we see in the world around us. Proverbs chapter one, verse eight says this. Listen, my son, to, uh, to your father's instruction and do not forsake. Could we, could we say these next three words together? Your mother's teaching. What was mom trying to teach him? Well, she was trying to teach him what an exceptional woman looks like. Why? Proverbs chapter 31, so that when he runs into one, he'll say, there's a keeper. I want that kind of woman in my life. And when he runs into the other kind that you hit earlier in the book of Proverbs, that he'll know what type of woman to watch out for. And here's a woman, Proverbs 31 woman, who says this, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That means this is an exceptional woman that we want to keep our eyes there, son. And here's a, here's a mother who is saying, I, I love my son so much that I want him to find an exceptional woman in his life. I want him to find the kind of woman that he wants to stay with and commit to and work with through the hard time. This is the kind of woman to look for, son. And then he also, she also wants him to know, and that kind of woman, not so much. That's what mom's trying to say. You want to be exceptional? Help the men in your life find God's best in a woman. That's what I'm taking from the time of the kings. Next is the time of exile. I mean, the nation has rebelled against God again. You know, one more time, they've gotten stiff-necked, they've got rebellious, we'll do it our way, God, and they go their own way, and they wind up heading for judgment again, and punishment comes in, and next thing you know, they're exiled to a foreign land under a foreign government. And while they're away from Jerusalem in that foreign land, who does God raise up? But Esther. Esther. Queen Esther. They're suffering the consequences, but God raises up Esther for such a time as this. I asked my wife when I was preparing this talk, who's your favorite woman in the Bible? She said, Esther, just like that. I said, why? She said, because she was willing to lay down her life. She was willing to risk her life to save her people. Esther's story says she started as an orphan. Her parents were not there for her. So an uncle takes her in, raises her up, and the next thing you know, this foreign oppressive government has now drawn her in and she has found favor with the king. As fact, in fact, as such favor that she is now being installed at his queen, which means she has everything in the nation at her disposal. The best clothes, the best food, all the finest jewelry, the spa treatments, you know, all the, everything that she could want, and yet the story says that she was willing to give her life at risk to help save her people. She lets it all go. That's exceptional, don't you say? You wanna be exceptional, place yourself at risk to serve God's purpose and God's people in your life. And then how about the Gospels, the New Testament time period? 
Um, as we move into uh, the life of Jesus, on the other side of the exile, we are introduced to some very exceptional women. Actually, they like jump off the page. Their names are all Mary. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's quite exceptional, right? Because when God decides to come into the rescue to save this world, he comes through this woman. What's the standout quality of Mary? Well, one of them that we're introduced to right up front is that she's wise. She knows how to make, she knows how to give good advice. Good advice. In fact, did you know the first miracle that Jesus ever performed happened because of the advice of his mother? John chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus has said, you know, it's not time yet. And she just tells the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And as a result, water is turned to wine, the day is saved, and miracles begin. I think the lesson is this, miracles result when you do what Jesus instructs. And here's a mother who knows that. So we keep this in mind the next time your children are coming to you whining, saying, but mom, everybody's doing it. And you've already said no, how many times? No, 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 no. But everybody's doing it. Okay, you know what Mary would say? Then be the exception. You know, be the exception. And when you follow what Jesus is instructing you to do, then you'll get in on the miracles that come with it that other people are going to miss. Be exceptional. Speaking of that, I was reminded of my friend Jim Moon. He's a friend who's prayed with me uh, almost every week since I've been here serving this church for all these years. He was raised by a mama who was a missionary to Brazil in the Amazon. And, uh, and when he responded to God's call in his life to go into the ministry, you know what his mom said to him? Son, you sure about this? He said, yes. She said, well, then here's the thing. You've got to always be ready to pray, to preach, and be ready to die at any, at any moment. I've never forgotten the advice that Jim got from his mother, and it's still inspiring me. The best advice a mother could give, whatever Jesus tells you, do it, and you won't miss out on the miracles that he has. Two other Marys in the gospel story, definitely exceptional. One was Mary, Martha's sister. This was, they were brother, they were uh, sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Remember, he was in the tomb, and he calls him out, and he comes out. Well, Mary is Martha's sister, Lazarus' sister, and one day when Jesus is at their home on retreat, she is sitting at his feet at the couch while he's speaking and teaching, and, uh, and Martha comes out wanting her to go back and help in the kitchen. And Jesus said, hold up, Martha. Mary has chosen the better thing. That means the exceptional thing. And you know what Jesus was doing? He's saying, this woman is going to be an exception to the rule of the day. The rule of the day was only men could study theology at the feet of rabbis. And Jesus says, no, no, no. She's found the right thing. So you want to be exceptional? Then uh, be willing to learn. Learn theology from Rabbi Jesus. You want to improve your wisdom quotient, then apply your mind to studying his word. And then there's Mary Magdalene, released from seven demons, one of the women who supported Jesus financially from her own means, and yet we get to the end of the Gospels. Jesus has now risen from the dead, and John chapter 20, verse 18 says that Mary Magdalene bore witness to the risen Christ which is exceptional because at that time, women were not allowed to testify in a court of law. Their testimony was held to not have substance. 
And yet here, God is saying, send Mary. Let's have her tell the men. And of course, the men were in disbelief. But Mary was the one who was voicing and bearing witness. She gets to the men, and this is simply what she says, I have seen the Lord. Made me think of uh, the young man on the tribute video today who said, my mother led me to Christ. When you've had an encounter with the risen Christ, why would you not want to be able to share that story with those that are most precious to you, closest to you, so that they could step up into it as well? But there's the exceptional witness right there. Now, the remainder of the New Testament, during the first century, the book of Acts, the rest of the letters of Paul, uh, they, we, we meet there Lydia, who Lydia is a businesswoman, the first convert in Europe, actually. Then there was Damaris, who's from Athens, the first convert in Athens to the Christian message. Athens was the intellectual philosophical capital of the day. And then we read a little bit further. There's Priscilla and Aquila. This is a husband-wife team who were teaching, it seems, in Rome and placing their lives at risk for the gospel with Paul. And then there's Phoebe, who was believed by scholars to have brought the letter from Corinth, the, Rome, the letter to the Romans from Corinth, and she was entrusted with taking the letter of the Romans to Rome. Talk about exceptional and then you get them the letter of Philippians. I'm all, I'm all tang-tungled, you know? But you get to the letter of Philippians, and Paul mentions two Greek women, Iodias and Syntyche, and he says, these women have contended at my side for the gospel. Contended is a competitive word. It means they have brought vibrant, competitive energy against the opponents so that the kingdom of God can move forward with these women in Philippi. And then in Laodicea, from the letter of Colossians, he says there's Nympha, who really, she opened her house and said, hey, let's have church at my house. How significant is that? Church buildings didn't come along until the third century. And here Nympha is on the front end of the curve saying, Use my house. I want all the church to come over to my house and we'll meet there. And then from the book of, from the town of Ephesus, we meet a grandmother named Lois and a mother named Eunice who said that their business was to see that little Timothy, who grew up in their home without a daddy, is going to discover the power of the gospel. And now, guess what? In Ephesus, Timothy is the pastor. Exceptional what these women have brought to our lives through their lives over time. But you know what? It didn't stop in the Bible. I want to tell you about a woman that I just discovered in this last week has demonstrated herself to be exceptional. The Kennedy Center has awarded each year, they select six candidates to be the Sondheim um, Inspirational Teacher of the Year. Six teachers from the entire nation have been selected for this. And this year, one from Miami, not only Miami, one from Christ's Journey, not only from Christ's Journey, Desi Jimenez, our pastor of groups, his wife, Jennifer, who is sitting right over here right now, has been awarded the Sondheim Award for Inspiration. Stand up, come on, Jennifer. You didn't see that coming, I know. But we love you. You inspire us. You are an exceptional woman. And we're not the, Desi's not the only one who recognizes it. Listen, ladies, what are we supposed to take from this? Be exceptional. Our world's in a mess. 
Our culture's in crisis. The dark ages are upon us. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. You know what it's time for? It's time for some women to step up and be exceptional. It is. Isn't it? And the Bible shows us how. And so I want to say to you who are mothers that are such exceptions to the rule when it comes to loving your children, that now is the time for us to rise and let your voice be heard, to influence culture from where you are with who you are so that others can find their opportunity to know Christ. And guys, I want to say we should draw our inspiration today from them, right? This should be a Priscilla Aquila thing. This is not they're on their own. No, we were created together. We were meant to be together. We were meant to extend the kingdom together. So together is how we should move forward. And if you're saying, oh, I don't have a together. No, this is your family. We're your together. Let's do this together. So guys, today especially, let's just let this be one of many days where we take the time to acknowledge the exceptional gifts God has given us in the women in our lives. I mean, think about who wants to live in a world that is vacant of women? Not me. You? Not me. No, think what it would be like, just a bunch of guys wandering around. This is not good. <laughs> but after God made woman and put man and woman together, he said, that is very good. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift that your daughters, our sisters, our mothers, our wives are in our lives, and we pray your blessing upon them today. We thank you especially for the recognition that Jennifer has experienced from our nation, and we, we thank you that she is one of many from this congregation who demonstrate exceptional qualities every day. And so we recognize them today, we pray your blessing upon them, and for each one who is in a hard place today, Lord, would your mercy pour out, your blessing roll out the red carpet of grace so that we could find healing and help for our times of need. And for somebody here, maybe you today, you would like to begin your relationship with Christ, then may I offer a prayer you can join with me right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, fill me with your spirit, and lead me that my life might be exceptional according to your will. And I receive you by faith. In your name I pray. Now our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, then I'm gonna invite you simply to raise your hand wherever you are. Online, you can just click right there and we'll be praying with you and for you now. And right here in the room, if you'll just hold your hands up just for a moment so that I can look across and offer our prayers of support and encouragement to you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and I, over to my far left against the wall, God bless you. Amen. Lord, we invite you into this sacred space now for people who are leaning your way, for every heart that's opened and signified by a hand that's raised. May your peace and presence Lift them in a way that lets them know you are theirs, they are yours from this day forward. In your name we pray, amen.